it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Finally, step-by-step premium investment guidance for beginners. Led by... Andrew Sather, and Dave Ahern to decode industry jargon, silence crippling confusion, and help you overcome emotions by looking at the numbers. Your path to financial freedom starts now. All right, folks, welcome to the Investing for Beginners podcast. This is episode 76. Tonight, Andrew and I are going to do something a little different for us. We're going to talk about some fun predictions. We're going to go off the radar and off the range a little bit and talk about some upcoming predictions we think might happen. And so we can give you an idea of what kind of great prognosticators we are. Nah. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about some stock market stuff, maybe a baseball thing or two, and just kind of have a little fun. So Andrew, why don't you go ahead and start us off and we'll chat a little bit. All right, you mentioned mentioned baseball. Obviously, we're recording this, and there's a game on. So, before we get into the stock market stuff, I want to know who do you think is going to win the World Series this year? We have to, to give context. If you're listening to this in the future, right now, there's the Dodgers, the Braves, the Rockies, and Milwaukee. Yes, that, that's kind of crazy. Um, yes, I don't I don't remember the last time they were in there. Little town Milwaukee. I don't even know where that is. Just kidding. <laughs> Killing me. <laughs> uh, and then on the AL, there's Boston, New York. That's turned out to be a really cool series. They were always big, big rivals. And you'll have to help me on the other two AL teams. Uh, it's the Astros and the Indians. That's right. Of course, the Astros. Yeah, yes, so who do you think is going to take it? Uh, it's going to be the Astros again. I'm sorry to say. I know that's not <laughs> what you that. want to hear, but... <laughs> Yeah, I think it's. I think it might come down to the Astros and the Dodgers in the World Series again, and I think the Astros will take it again. I mean, their team didn't change at all, right? So, uh, not a lot, but they did pick up a couple of new pitchers uh, that have helped them huge. Garrett Cole has been monstrous, and Verlander has been amazing all season. And yeah, they got some. They got uh, their bullpens much improved, and they're a good team. They're a really good team. Well, I want. I wonder what kind of pitcher Cole is because. If he doesn't pitch well when the balls are juiced, knock, knock, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did this thing where, uh, I don't know, last year it was record for most home runs hit in the World Series ever. Yeah. Um, so there's speculation in, in the conspiracy theorist area uh, that the balls are juiced. And it just so happened that certain pitches don't do well when the balls are made different with different characteristics and surprise surprise some of the pitchers at the dodger and on the dodgers that didn't do well um have pitches that would have been affected by it so i don't know what kind of picture pitcher he is i'm sure you probably that that's that's something random I, i'm sure like a baseball expert would know yeah but i don't know obviously i'm big on dodgers i think this is our year i think um our righty power is really good and we have a couple of key pieces we didn't have last year. It's very so. true. Yeah, it's, I didn't say it would be easy, but I think uh, it, it'll be fun to watch for sure. Dodgers are playing great, you know, at the end of the season, so it's could be a lot of fun. Although I will say that the Yankees, I think, are going to be tough if they get by Boston, which I think they probably can. That will be a that will be a very fun series between the Astros and the Yankees because they the Yankees got a lot of power. It's just crazy. 
This with Judge and Sanchez and Stanton. Oh man, it's good for baseball when the Yankees are on top. It is. It it's is good for America. Yeah, America. I get, yeah, I get flashbacks of George Bush <laughs> when he threw the pitch. This is good for baseball. Yeah, it's good. Good for, good for baseball, good for America. Yep. Speaking of America yeah. and the bull market we are in, um, do you, what do you think about the bull market moving forward? Uh, that's kind of the thing that whenever you turn on CNBC or any sort of media outlet, they always kind of want to talk about their predictions. And th- I, this is a reason why I thought it'd be fun to kind of have an episode like this because... I think uh, as a beginner, it's just something that everybody wants to know. They all want to kind of figure this out. And it makes sense because you want to have that. There's there's a sort of certainty that comes with trying to organize chaos. And, and our world is filled with chaos. And what you see with the way what human beings do and how we kind of organize that chaos, that's that's how we kind of feel. That's how we like deal with our insecurities about um not knowing what the future holds. And so kind of predictions give you that path, and that certainty that make you feel better about putting money at risk where really anything can happen. Uh, obviously it's very important to understand that um, while it can be entertaining to get predictions and projections and, and speculations about the future, um, maybe this episode can be good reference point sometime in, in the future just to see that, uh, you know, things are just going to be really off and, and uh, things are just not going to play out the way that you would think they would. And so while, you know, we can kind of use some of the intuition we have on, on how we perceive the world and how we see it going through today, I think it's can't be overstated enough that predictions uh, don't serve a place when it comes to uh, really having an impact on your investment results and uh really being a good way to kind of plan for your financial future they're they're not a good way to do that and and you need to kind of have a different mindset and and the mindset of okay I'm, i want to learn things i want to become educated i want to get to the the basics and the time tested principles instead of trying to figure out what the future holds um so gotcha sorry uh you, you clicked on this episode thinking that we're gonna give you something to chew on and instead it's gonna be (laughs) a couple guys uh just saying some wild things but i mean when it comes to the bull market i'll ask you this like over under for the bull continuing into 2020 right now we're recording this october 2018 um you have a lot of loud bears and also a lot of loud bulls um bears that come to mind guys like ray dalio uh guys who are really good with economics really smart about that kind of stuff and really understand like the long-term cycles that that go with the market and the economy would be curious to your thoughts dave over I'm gonna go 2020 on. i'm gonna go under I th- i'm i think i'm 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 gonna be right there with Ray Dalio and Howard Marks and some of those guys that talk all the time about the credit cycle and how we're on the eighth or ninth inning. You know, Howard Marks has recently put out a book and he's talked a lot about where we are in the cycle and he's referring to the eighth inning. And I agree with him. I think we're at the end of the cycle credit cycle. That's going to cause us to start to go into a downturn and I think it'll be before 2020. That's my prediction. All right. Your thoughts? I'm, I'm going to take the over. You're going to. And move. yeah, a bold move, right? Right. Um, and this is coming from a guy who, you know, plan for the plan for the worst, hope for the best. So always going to be buying stocks at attractive valuations. Even in the expensive market, you still want to be buying cheap stocks with a margin of safety, all those sorts of things. However, it there's there's certain things that are just undoubtedly true right <clears throat> like low interest rates we've seen low interest rates super low interest rates for a long time the fed's starting to kind of pull back and 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 make those interest rates go higher so we are seeing some of the effects of that and <clears throat> i think it's very clear that uh 
long term they're they're going to try to raise those continually and that has historically had ad- adverse effects to the stock market for a wide array of reasons that I don't think we should get into today but you know you have that that's a fact um you have valuations just across the market very high that's a fact um I haven't checked lately but Last I remember, I think the Schiller PE was somewhere around above 25, maybe approaching 30. And historically, it's it's been closer to 15. You also have, um, this is an interesting metric I like, the stock market market capitalization, the market capitalization of the whole stock market for the United States versus the uh, US GDP. And so historically, it's actually been less. So like, for example, in the 90s, um, before we had a lot of the quantitative easing, and that's really pushed up valuations, uh, the historic kind of ratio between US GDP and um, the market capitalization of the US has been like around 50%, 40 to 50%. And then with, with what we've seen in the past 20 years and also the end of like the 90s, um, that historic ratio has been close to like 88%. Where it's at today is somewhere like 140%. So there's a lot of different metrics that show that historically the US stock market's overvalued. But there are other things that I see that you know might also have kind of a, a play into it, right? So at the same time, you, you, you have everything that's going on with the Fed. You also have the main narrative is this idea that the trade war is really kind of holding the stock market back. And so obviously that creates a lot of uncertainty and it's really possible, you know, there's been a lot of profit creation from the tax reform act. It's, it's very possible that a lot of that that's kind of been pushed into share prices and, and really would have pushed the market much higher has kind of been pared down a bit by what we've seen with the trade war. So, you know what if what if the concerns about the trade war went away you know then really what will we see with profitability and the way these companies are buying back shares how much more could those valuations extend i mean i think i think uh even though historically it is very overvalued it could become you know th- this thing could just continue running and if the trade war got resolved I think that could that could really keep this bull market going for for much longer than a lot of the experts think. Again, plan for the best. Well, what is it? Plan for the worst, hope for the best. Uh, do not just blindly buy expensive stocks because you think that Andrew said that he thinks the bull market will go past 2020. Make sure you're still doing everything we preach. But I don't know. That's my kind of weird thought. Well, those are some good thoughts, and I like the way you were weighing that out. I just worry that some of those things will not come to pass, that the trade war will go south and things will get worse. And it, as we've seen, it really just takes one one thing to really trigger something bad to happen, and then things just start kind of cascading on each other. And that could be the the trigger that causes the market to stumble and then, you know, panic selling and everybody kind of running for the door. You know, the interesting thing that I was listening to a podcast just recently where Howard Marks was talking and he was mentioning something that I thought was kind of fascinating. The stock market is really the only retail area where you can buy and sell things that whenever there's a sale, people freak out and run for the exits. And I thought about that and I thought, you know what? That is perfect. I mean, think about it. When there's a store, when there's a a sale at any kind of store, people go nuts and have to go in there. I mean, I think about my restaurant when I have discounts that we do at my restaurant, then everybody and their brother wants to come there and eat. And why is the stock market different? Why is that? Isn't that interesting? Whenever there's, you know, whenever there's a, you know, a, a downturn in the market when all of a sudden all these great companies are on sale, everybody wants to sell them. And that as value investors, that's when we should be buying them. Anyway, it's a little side note. 
No, hundred percent right. agree. I think that's the the big difference between if you can get that mindset shift, then it can really change the way you invest, and it really will help you hold on when things get tough, right? Because right, if you're thinking from a long term perspective rather than man, there's red in my account right now. There's red on my monitor. Don't right. think that way. Think right. I'm, I'm acquiring these businesses and I'm getting them yeah. on sale. I'm buying them on sale. Mm-hmm. Fire sale. Fire sale. Woo-hoo. <laughs> All right. So let's talk some more about some more predictions. Let's talk about some companies. Okay. So we were talking earlier about some of the the bigger companies. What are your thoughts on the Facebooks and I guess the Fang stocks? All right. Well, um, I'm not going to touch Amazon just because that's that's a wild beast just on its own. I don't even know what's going on there. Like <laughs> you have somebody like Bezos who've just completely revolutionized the world and he's now the richest man in the world. Uh, they're doing crazy things, acquired whole foods, uh, given me like something that I love to use. I love Amazon prime. Uh, I love just getting stuff like that so quickly. I don't know when I see like Google and Facebook, we talked about, do we talk about, um, having stocks on a watch list we did right was that last yeah week? oh yeah yep okay so like uh those are two stocks that are i have like on my i call it like a bear market watch list where like if these stocks ever pay the decent dividend plus like trade that reasonable valuations i would be scooping them up and i i kind of see google and facebook in that way the kind of parallels that i have to what we've seen in the past and how i see them now is I don't know. I kind of see Facebook like uh, becoming like a media giant in, in a way. I mean, they don't own content right now, but kind of just in the way that you have like Comcast, Time Warner Cable, which just got uh, bought out, you know, like CBS, Walt Disney, Fox, the, these type of big companies that, you know, there was a lot of competition when they, were, when they were coming up and they have a lot of eyeballs in the sense that, you know, they had a lot of people who are subscribed to their tv packages a lot of money being made from advertising and you know as that market kind of matured you had these big players and 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 they would have made for great investments over over very long time periods you look at a company like disney i think if if you would have bought in the 90s and and held on with dividends it it would have compounded wealth for you very very nicely Uh, I'm, i'm long disney right now but I think you know. I, I look at Facebook as less of like a tech company and more of this this giant that's kind of here to stay. Uh, I, I think like the way they acquired Instagram was just like a fantastic move, and uh, all those fears of, of people migrating away from Facebook, kind of in the way that people migrate away from MySpace. I think acquiring Instagram was a great hedge against that, if, if you want to use that word. Uh, and, and there's just a ton of eyeballs on Instagram. There's a ton of eyeballs on Facebook. They're competing against Snapchat beautifully. Uh, and, and so I think just from a stock market standpoint, if you look at through history, we've had these, uh, you can call them blue chip stocks. They, they, they are these big, established, kind of consistent, dependable investments and you know, at times they get overvalued, and you kind of see them at different times, and, and pretty much pick any bull market, and there'll be a, a period of time where the blue chips catch catch uh, catch some momentum and get really overvalued. And so I think you know maybe 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 the Fang, the Fang, the the Fang half that I see is like Google and Facebook, who are really kind of there to stay. And my parallel for Google is like kind of like the way that. Um, the big oil giants back back in you can even go back to like the the early 2010s uh like or or even the 2000s right you had some of the best stocks to own at that time was exxon mobil chevron uh bp these were just you know dependable kind of they got to a size where they were so big they were bringing in so many revenues so much profit uh and, and you know they weren't blown blown returns off the roof with you know, double digit returns or anything. Uh, but they would get close to it and, you know, just kind of give you that consistent kind of high single digit returns, give you a nice dividend. I don't know. I, I, I kind of see a company like Google and they've really spread their wings and, and they're, they've got their, 
who got their fingers in a little bit of everything. I know like half my life's on Google just through their Google photos. It's, it's a fantastic product. I, I, it's makes it so convenient for me. Um, obviously Gmail, everything that's wrapped into Google. I, I, I just, you know, while they might not be good investments now, their valuations are obviously very high. Um, I'm bullish on their future and I would love for an opportunity to be able to scoop them up. Give me a black Friday sale and I'll, pummel somebody next to me and then you know, in the line in Walmart instead of going for an Xbox, I'm going for some Google or Facebook stock. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before Nerd Wallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. I would probably agree with you on the Google. I, I don't know about Facebook. I guess I am, I guess maybe I'm just jaded. I've read some kind of negative stuff about the company and Mark Zuckerberg and some of those things. And so I guess maybe I've been biased a little bit by some of the qualitative stuff instead of, or I guess just. Yeah, that's right. Qualitative kind of the narrative yeah. that's, that's being yeah, pushed. Yeah, kind of the narrative is being pushed, you know, with the, you know, you mentioned Instagram. So, you know, you, you, you heard about the two owners leaving the company and, uh, walking away from a lot of money. And, yeah. you know, just some of those things just kind of make you give you pause to, well, you know, I, I don't think that the company is anywhere near having any sort of, event that could cause it to go away. Uh, and I agree, you know, acquiring Instagram was a brilliant move on their part to ensure their continued stability. Uh, and I think I definitely agree with you on the media company thing. I think that is definitely the route that they're going to be going at some point. I read an article about them just recently and guy made a very valid point in the article. He said that the growth for the company is going to start to flatten out at some point simply because they've reached a saturation point where, you know, there's only so many human beings in the world and, <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, they're not going to be able to, I guess 
their growth is going to be slower than the growth of us, you know, of, of human beings, you know, the birth rate of, you know, the, the world is not going to be able to keep up with them to be able to, you know, because they've, they've reached so many different levels of, you know, people using their platform that, you know, it's, it's got a finite existence. And I thought that was kind of an interesting take. I would have never thought about that, but it, it's kind of true. And so I guess that would be something that would give me pause about the company. And, but Google, yeah, Google's, you know, like you said, they're in everything and, you know, they definitely have got their tendrils in my life as well with the Google photos and the Gmail and, you know, the drive and all the different off, you know, all the different offerings that they have. It's just, you know, ridiculous. And, you know, between they and Apple, it's, you know, kind of hard for me to imagine existing. Uh, you know, how did we survive without these companies before? <laughs> I don't know how we, you know, it's kind of, kind of one of those things, how you know, people learn things. I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like no concept to me. Late twenties guy. What did I do before Google? I don't even remember. <laughs> I guess I just didn't know stuff. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing how much those things have taken over our lives. And, you know, I think I remember writing something about Google being a, you know, Googling is a verb now, <laughs> you know, is it really? like, yeah, the, Google. <laughs> probably um, oh. it should be, I don't know if it is, but it's definitely part of our vernacular now. You right. Know, you don't, you don't say, yeah, let's go look it up on the internet. It's, you know, go Google it, yeah. you know? So let's see what the Google machine has to say. So, you know, it's definitely, definitely become a bigger part of our life. So talk a little bit about those two FANG stocks. What about the N in the FANG stock? I know you had some ideas about Netflix as well. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be the one where, um, we look back and, and we write in the history books that, wow, those poor shareholders, you know, um, I really like what they're doing. They're spending a lot of money trying to create content. And I even know this the way my daughter uses Netflix now, because I don't know if you've, uh, how, how much you're paying attention to it, but they've completely changed their platform in the sense that like they're really pushing their original content super, super yeah. hard now. Yes. They so are. it's like almost all your recommendations are going to be like some sort of Netflix original something. And, you know, like somebody like me, I have kind of more refined preferences, right? So, or I, I can kind of tell like, okay, I don't, like I'm actively on purpose avoiding these these things because I want, I want stuff that's like proven to be good that I'm going to enjoy. And, and just because Netflix made it doesn't mean it's good. Like I need word of mouth or, or I need like these movies that are uh, critically acclaimed or, or something like that. Right. I can't be wasting my right. time with something that's subpar, but like uh, when they have it for like the kids, you know, my daughter's not making that same kind of thought process. She, she's quite happy regardless of what's on there. But you know, right. a lot of the times, and even if you're watching like a non Netflix show, they'll have on the credits, they'll have like a little, almost like an ad for like a Netflix original show. And so all you got to do is kind of like click over and you can change shows to like, oh, this looks interesting instead. Um, and so, I, you know, I, on the one side, that's brilliant. And I see a lot of kids like, you know, as a Disney advance, uh, investor, for example, that kind of makes me a little bit nervous because, you know, if all these kids are going to be growing up and really idolizing whatever Netflix makes these characters of, right? Because if they can just force eyeball enough of these kids eyeballs on, on some of these characters then uh, they can really compete with like a Disney princess or, you know, the other characters that kids like, and, and there's a lot of money potential with everything involved with that. But at the same time, like you, you can't like, you can't just spend, spend, spend to get like good ideas, good creative ideas. They don't, they don't, you can't just take a million dollars and have a million great ideas. Things that like, uh, for example, Disney, the way that they've been able to build, characters that kids love so much you know i just mm -hmm. i think there's something magical there like not to sound cheesy disney cheesy but like you know and some of the characters that they've really been able to have kids relate with and have kids really enjoy and kind of you know there, there's there's talent that takes talent and it takes brilliance and creativity to really make those 
type of things, uh, that type of media that becomes really catchy and, and really gets a lot of fanfare behind it. I don't see, you know, just because Netflix is throwing money at it, I don't think it guarantees that they can have enough content. And I think they're running out of time. I, I really do. Uh, there's only so much, so many years that you can run in the red before a stock can, can really get hammered. And, and you don't need to go too far back into history to see examples of that where companies did not run a profit and they were fine while there was excitement and there was revenue growth. But eventually, if you can't turn a profit, I'm sorry, uh, eventually investors run out of patience. Yeah, you're right about that. And Hey you, what's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's free ebook at stockmarketpdf.com. You won't regret it. I, it is interesting about the Netflix uh, content. Yeah, you're right about the, they are pushing the original content very, very hard. It's kind of fascinating. Uh, some of it is, some of it's actually pretty good, um, but some of it, yes, yeah, not so great. And I guess I'm not as discerning as you are, and maybe I should be. As I should be thinking about more about my time than I should you know, probably <laughs> I'm, I'm, be wiser. That's, that's, no, don't do that. That, that sounds <laughs> it makes me sound miserable. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I'm, I'm, doesn't I'm analyzing like these kids shows as my daughter's watching them. Like, <laughs> you know, Batman's way better than this guy. Doesn't even have a catchy name. Like this is <laughs> stupid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll put up my I'll put up my little pony against any show. Yeah, <laughs> right? there you go. Oh, goodness, that's like a once um, in a decade idea, right? My little pony. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's ingrained into my brain forever. Um, my daughter loves that show, obviously. So, um, no, I, I I would agree with what you're saying, and I you know, some of the signs have already started to pop up a little bit over the last few years as they've tried to push more of the original content, their subscriber counts have gone down and, you know, they've been struggling to grow in that realm. Uh, they've been able to grow the revenue over the last few years, but their cover count, if you will, is struggling. So they're, you know, they're getting a little bit on the struggle bus for, you know, getting new subscribers. And I know that they've tried really hard to go into Europe and some of the other countries outside of the United States to try to help, you know, broaden their, their base and has not done as well uh, overseas as it's done here in the States. So that's a concern for them as well. So I know Amazon has really started to try to push, you know, the programming and, and kind of doing some of the same things as well as, you know, Disney and some of the things they got going on. And so there's definitely a concern. There's the competition in that realm is just fierce. Uh, it seems like everybody and their brother is out there trying to, you know, take a, pie, a piece of that pie. And, you know, it's a tough, tough business. So, you know, they they're, got, they're they got their work. Too with that Disney. Right now they have Disney movies on there, but I think it's yeah, something it, like 2019. It's going to go sure, away. Yeah. There's, yeah. yeah, that deal with Disney is going away. And, I think the Star Wars movies will be on there until 2022 or something. Yeah, and then they'll and go. They have away, a, yeah, Disney said, tough. you know what, this is it. We're, we're not friends anymore. Right, exactly. So that's going to be tough for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I do enjoy sure. their, their TV series, though. They, they have yeah. been pretty good. I've seen Orange is the New Black. That's, yeah, my wife that loves that show. Good. Yeah. Yeah. What was, what was a couple of the other ones? Narcos, that was sick. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you like drug lords go watch that <laughs> i call it entrepreneurship that's what i call it yeah okay if you like entrepreneurship, go watch narcos <laughs> so what are your thoughts on amazon then um my thoughts on amazon are it's it's a completely different beast and i don't know if i can you know prediction wise i think it eventually will it eventually will at some point I think Jeff Bezos will stop trying to conquer the world and will focus more on trying to just, you know, grow the revenue of the company and the bottom line as opposed to just grow, 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 grow. Because I think at some point it's just the nature of the law of physics. It just has to, it has to 
stop growing. It just can't continue, you know, unless it just completely takes over, you know, the world. And I don't know if that's really his modus operandi. Maybe it is. And I could be wrong, but I think at some point it will stop. And I think the price will come back to earth and, you know, the PE right now is what over 200 or something. It's just something astronomical. Yeah. Yeah, It's super, super high. It's just crazy. And at some point the, the price will come back to earth. And my guess is it won't happen for, you know, since we're doing a prediction show, you know, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. I would say it's probably in the next five to 10 years. So say eight years from now. Maybe you are more bullish than you realize. What's that? No, I don't think so. But I think on that, I think with Amazon, um, I, I just think that, you know, at some point with the way the retail world is and just again, with kind of the nature of what's going on with some of the larger subscription style businesses like Facebook or Netflix that we we're just talking about, they're going to reach a saturation point, you know, with, the Amazon Prime, which is such a huge, it was a brilliant, brilliant idea on their part. And at some point that is going to stop because there would, you know, if there's 250 million people in the United States and 230 of them have Amazon Prime, you can't go any higher. You know what I'm saying? So Devil's advocate on that though, is they have pricing power with Amazon Prime that I don't yeah. think Facebook doesn't necessarily have pricing power. Because no. with Facebook, you have so many eyeballs. That's right, it. Right, true. With Amazon Prime, it's like, sure, we, we saturated the market, but people love this thing so much that they'll pay an right. extra two bucks this year. They'll pay an extra five bucks next year. You know? Yeah, but would, so they, but would they pay an extra 30 bucks? I mean, that, that's, you know, two bucks, five bucks, that's, <laughs> that's, that's peanuts. But I guess, you know, my concern would be, you know, hey, can we ramp it up to another 40 bucks a year? <laughs> you know, that might be tough. I suppose if they do two dollars every year for eight years, that's sixteen bucks. So. Hey, what if you got a drone to your house though? Like you don't have enough to step outside with you know, onto the street. Right. Yeah, true. I mean I'd pay I would pay another two hundred for that, you know? Yeah, true. I did see a, a Domino's commercial on Facebook the other day where they had a driverless car pull up to this guy's house. He came out, punched in a code that he got after he ordered the pizza. And rolled down the window, and there was this pizza. He took it out, and off the car went. So, <laughs> wow, pretty amazing. We're living in the future. The yeah. PE for Amazon one seventy one. Take a guess on their PB price to book. A price to a book. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, how about three hundred? Price to book. No, uh, they're at twenty six. Okay. <laughs> Which is like I don't know. 12 times more than I would want to pay. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's not too much more. That's, that's too much more. <clears throat> to your point, though, like, even if, let's say, they're able to, you know, because it's hard to dominate an industry in general. So the, let's say they dominate one industry. Bezos works his magic. He dominates a second and a third. At some point, they get so big that even if that's, like, incredibly hard to do, Let's say they do it, then the government might even step in and be like, you know what, this oh, yeah, is a monopoly would. at this point. Like, yeah. we have to break this up. And then yes. it's like, then what? Yes. So they would. I, I, yeah, your it, point it, is super, I think, on point. And it, I guess the other point about that, too, is they don't have the, <clears throat> they don't have the cult-like status that Apple does. And, you know, people revere Apple. Mm-hmm. And Amazon, everybody loves it, but they don't have the same i mean look at the backlash that they've gotten with the pay and mm. you know underpaying people or people feeling like they're underpaid and that's a whole other conversation but you could definitely tell that the you know that they were starting to turn on him and you know he made a wise decision by raising everybody's pay rate to 15 bucks an hour that was a, a great move but it's not going to be enough and i don't think uh, I don't think people are, they don't have the same, it's just not, it's not the same cult-like philosophy mm-hmm. that people have about Apple. You know, people, Apple can do no wrong. They can walk on water. Uh, you know, they talk about pricing power. You know, what are you paying for your phones now? A thousand bucks, you know, to get a new phone now. It's, and people will pay it gladly, not even bat an eye at it. 
So I think that, you know, they have kind of a different kind of monopoly going on where they have such a pricing power cult-like following that I don't think anything can unseat that. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. All right. So the last couple of things we wanted to talk about was a couple of some of our favorite subjects to talk about from time to time. Uh, first one being Tesla, Andrew. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, so I had this idea. Um, first off, like, uh, change my tune on Elon Musk a little bit. Um, I have a lot more respect for him and I, I kind of see where he's coming from. Uh, that doesn't change how I feel about how he's been running the company lately. <laughs> Did you see his tweet about um, what he called the SEC? He called it no. like, uh, something like short sellers. Like, you know, like, ugh, I wish I had the acronym in front of me, but uh, essentially saying that, you know, the SEC is just on the short sellers team. But it's like, <laughs> you know, uh, oh is this on. after his fine? Yeah, this is after he got the fine and, and had to get off as a director. Okay. So there is something that I found interesting um, about AOL, and this was back in the 90s. Um, they had done some accounting tricks where basically, <laughs> I mean, calling it accounting tricks is kind of being nice. Uh, what they were really doing is taking money that they should have expensed, they should have put it as a part of the income statement of profit and loss. Uh, so they're they calling their marketing efforts like an investment instead of an expense. So they're essentially like, you know, when a, when a company does, um, they buy like a, a, a plant. Like we, we've talked about this in the past. I don't know what the episode was, uh, but, you know, like a property plant and equipment from the balance sheet. It's a capital expenditure, and uh, you are basically paying it out. And now you have this asset, and it has a useful life. It will give you revenue uh, for a certain amount of years, and uh, you can depreciate it over the balance sheet. You can, um, I think, you can amortize the expense. It's a little confusing, um, <clears throat> but that's the general premise of it, and and it's it's. It's quite fundamental to understand when, once you kind of get it, right? Because uh, you kind of have this upfront expense, but in reality, um, you're bit, just because... So for example, uh, let's say you, you spend $2 million to build this plant. Uh, it's going to make that year's earnings look really bad because you just spent $2 million on this plant. But you know this plant's going to give you, let's say, 50... I don't know. Uh, hundred thousand or five hundred thousand in profit every year. Instead of that, you know, because really you had a great year, but you just made like a future investment. So what they do is they they kind of spread that expense out over several years, over basically the life of how how long that plant will 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 provide income for you, and so it kind of smooths it out and it gives you more accurate picture of really how how the health of the core business is doing. So. AOL was essentially doing that with the way they were they were spending a ton of money. <laughs> it's funny, uh sounds funny now, but uh back then it was kind of I guess brilliant. Uh didn't work in the end, but um it did get them a lot of eyeballs. They were giving out free floppy drives, well free floppy disks. So they spent a ton of money doing that and it was just this big promotion and they were trying to make AOL kind of equivalent with the internet, kind of like the company you could trust when it came to the internet. Um, they made a lot of money with their AOL chat rooms, AIM. I don't know if anybody's ever used that. I certainly did in junior high. Those were, I spent most of my junior high after school hours <laughs> was on AIM, pretending that I had a bunch of friends and was popular. Uh, and so what they did is they 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 spent all this money to to try to create all this hype for their company, and they tried to, they they tried to argue that it was the same as like a plant. Uh, that would provide this income over, over several years. And it was more of an investment, blah, 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 blah. The problem is, is um, they were using projections and they were saying, okay, well, you know, spending this much money should give us this many subscribers, which should provide us this amount of income. But that it was all like projections. It, this wasn't stuff that was proven with a business plan. There wasn't like uh prior record, to kind of reinforce this idea, they're just being very, very optimistic uh, in, in a very optimistic time of the 90s. 
And so when they finally did put those expenses where they should have been, then they took a big hit to earnings. And kind of ironically, the stock actually didn't even go down that much. I think it actually went up after they made this announcement. They had some management changes. They had a lot of kind of turbulence happening within the company. But basically, this is just one of the companies where uh, we talk about where it's just not making a profit. And uh, they were able to appear like they were making a profit by by doing this accounting trick. In reality, they, they were not making a profit. The projections for how many subscribers and how valuable the subscribers would be for them ended up being not nearly as, as much as they thought. And so eventually it came back to bite them. And instead of... Um, what was funny is that instead of shareholders kind of uh, shouldering the, the the brunt of this, uh, Time Warner Cable came in and they acquired AOL. So they essentially like bail, bail out the shareholders. The shareholders would have been the ones to suffer if if um, what really happened, you know, it, because the stock gets bid up and and it's it's essentially trading at a, at a much higher value than what its true intrinsic value is. Eventually, that's got to come down to earth. Luckily, they got bought out first. So instead of those shareholders bearing the brunt of it, it was going to be the Time Warner shareholders who are overpaying for a business that's not nearly worth as much as they paid. And so all that to say is I think Tesla is going to be this decade's AOL. I think they have so much media coverage. I think uh, they're doing really cool things. I mean, AOL was was a pioneer in the, in the internet world. Um, they they were really one of kind of the first there and, and they kind of were leaders in the culture of the internet. So uh, the way Tesla has been with, with electric cars and the innovations that Elon Musk has been able to give the world with, with the company and just how popular it's been, how much uh, fanfare is still there, even, even with uh, what's happened recently with Musk. I just think somebody else is going to buy them up. I think shareholders, even though we love to talk about how they're going to they're going to feel it one day, I think somebody's going to come in and buy them out. That's my wild prediction. And 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 you know, with AOL, like really, what they did was they paved the way for companies now, like uh, even Yahoo, you could argue, but um, Google obviously has had huge success in, in the internet space. So uh, AOL's kind of paved the way and, and taken that kind of the hype and, and everything that comes with being first in the market and other people are profiting. Um, and while they were doing some irresponsible things with their, with their books, obviously Tesla's, <laughs> if you look, if you, if you really look at their books and you understand them and, and the way that they've been able to survive by diluting shares and, and, and raising cash just, to, just to stay alive. I think there's a lot of similarities and, and parallels there. But I think in the same way that AOL kind of, Luckily, got bailed out, and the shareholders didn't have to bear the brunt of how bad it could have been. I think somebody else will do that for Tesla, and then I see like my big pick. Just and this is probably very biased, just like my my baseball pick earlier. Um, I really like Audi. Uh, they're owned by Volkswagen, so if you're looking to invest in in the company and the, the automaker that owns Audi, you'd buy Volkswagen, um, based in I think Germany, German stock market. But you know, I, I just think it's it's like a really cool it like looks wise they're just very, very similar to the Tesla. They have that modern, sleek, luxurious look. And I think they're gonna find a way to, to make electric cars work. And I think they're gonna do it in a much obviously they're gonna do it in a much more profitable way. Um one of the big car makers will. And and you know, companies like Ford, uh GM. And maybe GM would be the one to to make like a dumb buy like this, They're, they've always kind of made bad moves. But you know, I think Ford has a pretty impressive <laughs> electric car. <laughs> so I just alienated like a third of our audience who own GM. Yeah, cars with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's just these these car companies that have really cool electric cars, and what Tesla's been able to do, I think if if it get if they get bought out, a lot of the stuff people will be able to mimic it, and that's just kind of the way I see Tesla going. I agree. I think that's probably, I mean, at this point, that's really kind of the best case scenario, isn't it? 
for them, yeah, for shareholders yeah. for Tesla. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean yeah, the PR nightmare, right, with all the earnings oh, yeah. call stuff. Oh yeah, just the, the the hole that they've dug themselves into. You know, again, I'll say it. You know, nobody can argue the guy's not a brilliant dude, and yeah. uh, you know what he's trying to do is revolutionary, and it's you know it should be applauded. But you know, I think you know when you think about. I guess when you think about people that run companies, you know, there are creators and then there's managers. And I definitely think he falls into the creator, likes to tinker, likes to come up with stuff. And he obviously likes to be in control, but I don't think that he's he's the right person to take that company where it needs to go. And, you know, who that is, I don't know. That's not really for me to say, but I agree with your I think they will be bought out. I think that's a very good, I, I don't think that's a far-fetched, um, you know, when it's going to happen and whether he can give up control enough to do that, that will be the interesting, I think that will be the very interesting, um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, play on that company and what happens. So I definitely agree with your assessment though. It almost happened already, right? With the whole funding secured thing. So yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. like, halfway one one step into it anyway right yeah let them go yeah. quietly you know? just right just be an outrage it would be you know it would be like big bank status with people hating i don't know hating wall street yeah. hating can you yeah. imagine just people losing it would be really sad i think oh yeah it would be very sad. really smart people investing in these in tesla they just you know they're smart in other ways and they don't respect the history of the stock market or investing right. in general or the finance community. Right. Just turn yeah. off like that big of a community to forever hate wall street. Yeah. That would be, yeah, it would be awful for sure. Yep. All right. Well, the last, last prediction I would like to tackle would be my friends at Snapchat. Yeah. So we haven't talked about them in a while and I was just recently, as Andrew and I were talking about, well, as we were looking at what we we're going to talk about tonight, I did a little digging into the company and kind of some research and whatnot. And uh, the company has done quite poorly. Uh, it opened when it IPO'd uh, a little over a year ago, around 14, 15 bucks a share. It got up as high as, I believe, $23 a share. It's now cruising at a altitude of uh, $7.78 a share. So if you were one of those unfortunate people that bought it when it IPO'd or came, you know, crusted at $23 a share, you're now kind of hurting and doesn't pay a dividend and things are a mess there. Uh, it's, I do believe that their uh, user base has gone up slightly. Uh, the revenues have struggled mightily and the, it sounds like the management team has been a huge shakeup. I believe the uh, two founders are still there, but it sounds like everybody else has basically jumped ship and they've had a hard time keeping staff. I've read an article about the inner workings of the company. It sounds like it's just kind of a mess. And what do you expect? It, it, yeah. Dirty picture exactly. company. The only reason the two founders are still there is so they can keep collecting dirty pictures. Yeah, probably. Um, you know, <laughs> it has its uses and I think uh, I, I personally am not a, a user of, of the platform, so I can't speak to it directly. I see my employees using it all the time and I think it's fascinating that it's something you can use and then what there's no record of what you have posted, whether it's pictures, whether it's, you know, text, whatever. And I guess that kind of is perfect for people that don't really want to have anybody have a record of what they're doing. Um, some of my employees have tried using it to call in sick kind of thing. And then it's like, well, you know, or they go and do something stupid and somebody else sees it on Facebook or on Snapchat and they're like, well, I never did it. You know, kind of becomes a, he said, she said thing because it disappears. Um, you know, one of those things where they call in sick and then somebody sees them at a party, you know, cause yeah. they're not smart enough to not take pictures at the party. So yeah, anyway, um, I guess my thought is, is that along the same lines as what happened with Instagram, I bet I'm guessing that Facebook's going to snap them up. 
No pun intended. Uh, maybe, maybe attended. I think, uh, I think somebody, I think, I think Facebook will buy them up to utilize some of their technology and to kind of corner the market in that world. Yeah, that'd be great. Just like a, since I'm like an expert, since I use it, that makes me the expert today. Okay. <laughs> okay. They have like big blowback from like a, what do you call it? IU the design like the interface the the user interface yeah so they like yeah you know, it was obvious they changed it to try to make more profit and then now they've like changed it back so it's like even with the way they're they're doing it like come on like if you're gonna do it either commit one way or the other don't don't be so wishy washy with what you're gonna do either you're right. gonna make more profit or you're gonna appeal to the user base right don't do you know I don't think Facebook has ever bent to the well of, of what people wanted because they you know they kind of know what's better it's like either this is a good business or this is good for the user experience right i don't exactly know. maybe that's biased yep. but no I, I i like your point like there, there is value because there's customers right so yeah there's if somebody users. else can figure out how to monetize it i don't know like let's say maybe it's not facebook maybe it's it's some other company or who cares let's say it's our company right would you would right. you say that, that that's like a good okay maybe that's not fair let's say we're a social media company where there's possible synergy would you say that that's like a good acquisition target or do you see it no because it's been a terrible investment it's going to be one of those like oh somebody else is going to bear the brunt of this horrible thing yeah i think somebody else would be bearing the brunt of that horrible thing i mean it's such a it's such a mess you know financially that it would be hard to you know, unless you could utilize the technology in a, in a way that, like you said, a synergy of a social media company that's already got something like that going on, it would be a benefit to them that they would be able to either monetize the platform or to use utilize the platform in a way that they could increase their monetization of what they already had going on. Uh, that would be a way that they could kind of, quote unquote, dig out of the hole but otherwise, yeah, the finance part of it is such a mess that it just would not be. It would not be a good, you know. You're you're buying a sinking ship, you know what I'm saying? And that yeah. would be that would make it tough to. It's kind of on its last gasp, I guess. And, financially, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah not every, yeah. not every great product is a good investment. No, nope. and I'm sure like they're probably spending a lot of money now, but something like that's probably super easy to maintain like mm-hmm. you know it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an app right so right be a lot of fat kind of to, to cut yep but yeah somebody's gonna no i agree with you i think it's it's, it's a perfect kind of all right folks well that is going to wrap up our discussion of some bold predictions that andrew and i were making today i hope you guys enjoyed our little fun discussion here on some different topics and kind of going off target a little bit sometimes it was kind of fun to talk about some things and i think also it kind of gives you an idea of how much uh prognosticating or predicting the future is just kind of it's fun but there's really no science to it <laughs> and i think you know as you look back through the years and we listen back to our predictions i think it'll be interesting to see if any or what came to pass of any of them other than the astros winning the world series so Stop. without any further <laughs> want to see if i could slide that in on you all right so <laughs> without any further ado i'm going to go ahead and sign us off you guys have a great week go out there and invest with a margin of safety emphasis on safety and we'll talk to you next week we hope you enjoyed this content Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.